Rebag is a luxury resale marketplace. They have a curated collection of investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry. Each piece is carefully vetted and verified by experts. You can buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Hermes, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. That's Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. Betches Media presents... Madam Speaker, Madam Vice President. You want to hang out with us? and get your vaccine. And so I went to Human Resources. There are some things I just can't tell you uh, on air. The Betches Sub Podcast. A woman's problem, if you will. Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Sammy Sage. And this is the Betches Sub Podcast. Ritzy Span meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. Today, we are thrilled to be here with a true friend of the pod, Kelsey Lindell. She is a disability advocate fitness trainer, recent bride. I mean, you're, you're a a hybrid many times over Kelsey. Thanks. Yeah. I know. I feel like every single one of the, the Betches brands I fit into (laughs) and hopefully I'll fit into the moms pretty soon. You never know. (laughs) Let's get them all. Let's get them all. I don't really want you to fit into true crime though. No. Oh yeah. No, I can be an enthusiast maybe, you know, like, uh, that that's, that's where I'll fit in. Yeah, yeah, totally. So we're thrilled to have you today because October is Disability Employment Awareness Month, and you have been such a vocal and passionate advocate on this topic in across a range of issues, because obviously there are a range of issues beyond employment impacting this community of which you were a part. So we were so thrilled to have you on to speak really frankly about this. Thanks. Yeah, I'm really excited. This is my dream. Uh <sighs> I told Amanda when she asked, I would have rescaled my wedding for the fifth time to be here for this interview. I love this podcast. I think it's fantastic. Oh, thank so. you so much, Kelsey. We love oh. you too. So let's, let's jump You're more right flexible than that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That would be hilarious. Yeah. What if we just did like a live recording at your wedding? That was like part of that the entertainment. That would be the dream. That would be the dream. <laughs> Maybe we could do that at mine. Okay. That's just bride's crossover. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. So you are, we're going to just go get right into it, Kelsey. You're really open about your past identification as Republican. Although we want to clarify that you are not, though your last name is Lindell, no relationship to my pillow guy CEO, Mike Lindell. None. (laughs) And I'm from Minnesota. Exactly. (laughs) I remember asking you that explicitly because I was like, oh shit, Lindell, she used to be a Republican in Minnesota. That's definitely her uncle. And you were like, nah. No, 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 but my in-laws do tease me that they were expecting to see him at our wedding. So that's so funny. So you're pretty open about your past identification as a Republican and you're open about that because you sort of can help other people work through some of those illogical thought patterns. So I'm actually really curious how, and if your disability factored into that transition for you. Totally. So it did. So I will say that, like, I think I, I identified as a Republican because I was brought up in the church. So my family is very religious, very Christian, very conservative. And um, I was brought up in the church, which, as we know, Republicans have used white evangelicalism as a tool to get people to vote for their policies, primarily using abortion as a means to hide all of their other racist policies and policies that hurt people from other marginalized communities. Um, and I've always loved children. Like I've always loved children. I would, you know, as soon as I could get out of my own like Sunday school on Sunday mornings to go like help little kids and like play with little kids and teach little kids. And so the idea that like Democrats were this party that just wanted to kill babies was like, (laughs) yeah, 
that was all I needed to know. Like I didn't even look into any of the other policies and I was, I would attend like um, young conservatives club during high school. And I would like go out of my way to argue with people and call them baby murderers. And I was, I was <laughs> the most annoying person ever. And um, it's really interesting because while, you know, my being brought up in the church definitely shaped that narrative in my head. It's also what, um, made me end up going to South Africa and I worked with Hillsong church for four years out there working with Great. children with disabilities, which is a whole other story <laughs> another time. Um, and I worked with their foundation primarily, not the church specifically, like it was like they're paired, but I actually had the privilege, like my supervisors there were not problematic at all. They were really wonderful. Mm-hmm. And they taught me the importance of listening to people who you were working alongside and letting them lead the change. And that kind of helped me to deconstruct some of this like narrative in my head of like Republican versus conservative that like everywhere else in the world, there's not these two parties. There's just people who want to help people and people who don't. And, you know, when it came down to it, like, it was like, okay, do I, you know, now I'm definitely pro-choice, like having had, you know, a lot of time to deconstruct these ideas. I'm definitely pro-choice in all circumstances, but it was kind of like this revelation of like, okay, which party is actually going to create a better life for these children that you so apparently care about? Like, which is it? And as I got older too, I had friends who had had abortions and I realized like, wow, this person is not a baby killer. This person had no other options. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's like, it was like this grand revelation of realizing that actually people who don't get abortions don't do it because they're bored and have nothing to do that Thursday. Like they're in a really yeah. bad situation and they need help. And so it kind of brought me to this place of like, huh, maybe, maybe I don't need to be so strong towards Republican, but I still consider myself pretty apolitical came back, just really cared about people. Just was like, I don't care about politics. I just want to help people. And then, uh, 2016 rolled around and I was like, wait, 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 this motherfucker is going to run for president (laughs) and he's He's going to tell people that they can grab people by the pussy and that they can, you know, that called the countries that I was working in shithole countries where there was people that I love there. I was like, wait, 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 no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. I know that people who identified the same as me are going to realize these things and see through it. And then they didn't. And then he literally mo- like mocked a disabled reporter. And I was like, oh, hell right. no. Now they're really going to see through it. And they didn't. And so. <laughs> You know, then it was just like, okay, clearly people are just blinded by the label. And so that for me is something that I'm really passionate about is like, you know, asking people to look at like, okay, if you don't want abortions, look at the numbers, which number is most likely to decrease it. And like, you know, vote with what policies are actually going to live out the things that you believe rather than just like identifying with a name because your church tells you to. So that's yeah. kind of how that happened. So it, it, Cool. It was, but it wasn't. And that's that's how I became a Democrat. <laughs> or not even I don't even identify as a Democrat. Like yeah. fucking Biden sucks right now. Like I'm like yeah. <laughs> I'm like a Liz Warren type. Well, I mean, all the things you said that you cared about are consistent with Totally. With, yeah. 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 It's yeah. like you said, it's like it's strange that we just have this binary. That doesn't quite fit either. Totally. Was that like challenging to deal with in terms of your family and just everyone you grew up around? Yeah. Yeah. I mean Yeah, it was interesting because, like, prior to 2016, I think I was just so shell-shocked. I was like, there's no no way that these people are going to go with this. 
And they did. And then, you know, over the course of, you know, the Trump presidency, yeah. I would look at, you know, things that were happening. Like, clearly they can't be pro this. Clearly they can't be pro this. This is going to change for next time. And then they just, you know, carried on because of Roe. Like, they wanted to overturn Roe. So they were like, you know, we think that we can do this and it's going to help. And it's, it's, it's heartbreaking for me because, you know, we'll, I'm sure we'll get into this some later, but, like, the policies that Democrats want... <laughs> are the same things that keep people with disabilities, like, alive, you know, yeah. like, Medicaid and, the eight, like, enforcing the 8A, even though it's not, it's a very loosely enforced, like, yeah. Republicans are not going to protect that. Um, and, you know, different things like special education, like, funding education. I needed an IEP growing up. Like, I had an IEP for the two ways that I make my income now, which is physical education and then it was also, um, yeah. I, I had two, di- I had two disabilities. So both my hands are disabled one more than the other. Like, or, or like one has more, I, I don't know. One is more disabled. Is that, I, I, I can say that I'm disabled. You can't yeah. say that, I, can I can't correct you. <laughs> we were saying at the beginning of this conversation, like, uh, be frank, correct us as we go. But part of this conversation is that there are different preferred terms for, totally. for different people. I think you can say whatever I can say you whatever want. I want. Yeah. <laughs> in, re- in reference to myself, I can say yeah, that. Exactly. So, of course. Yeah. Um, but you know, these, these two things, so I, both my hands are disabled and I needed a lot of help to learn how to write. Like I had so many surgeries growing up. I couldn't write and a lot, like the majority of my work and then also type in, like I had to go to special mm-hmm. classes to learn how to type on a computer and how, how do I make my, my living now? How do I provide for myself? I do production and marketing DEI stuff. And then I, I'm a personal trainer. Like these are the two ways that I make my income. And without these different types of IEPs and special education, I would be unable to provide for myself. And then, then I would be one of those people that's, you know, like that they refer to as living off the government and don't even try. And it's like, well, that's just fucking bullshit, you know, like, right. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, as you're talking about this, like you are in a minority of people, but it is the biggest minority in this country, right? It's about 20% of Americans have a disability of some sort. I am ashamed of how surprised I often am because there are other groups related to certain issues that have been able to like enter the mainstream conversation more easily. What, why is this, why does this issue so often neglected? I mean, it's just, people are very aware now of how not to be racist. They're very aware of how not to be sexist. Some people choose not to follow that guidance, but I think a lot of people are not aware how not to be ableist and how ableism is built into everything. And I know this really frustrates you. So what theories do you have for like why this is, has failed to break through in a, in a way where we're not all advocating for this community yeah. all the time? Yeah. Um, so there was a series of laws called the ugly laws. And I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with these or if your followers are familiar with these. And the last one was only repealed in 1974, which is not long ago. And so these laws made it illegal to be unsightly in public. So it applied to things like begging. It also, it was, but it was not like this like policy that was <clears throat> kinder back in the late 1800s where it was like, oh, you're unsightly and you're not, we like you and we don't. It was a law that was designed to discriminate towards the employment of people with disabilities. So people with disabilities were not even allowed to have a job. And if you can't have a job, then what are your options, right? So um, then the, the only workaround for those was the concept of freak shows, which is where we get the circus, where we get freak shows now. Wow. Um, and the only workaround for that, if 
people with disabilities could work and be seen in public if they were being paid to be seen in public for their disabilities. So people with disabilities were just gawked at. They were either gawked at and exploited for their disabilities and paid little to nothing, or they were hidden because it was illegal for them to be a part of society or be seen in society. And then if you want to go back even further than that, ancient, ancient cultures and even still some cultures that practice a lot of like reincarnation beliefs or they have a lot of ancestral beliefs about like ancestral worship, they will view disability as a curse or something that was somebody in their family did something bad and therefore that family has somebody with disability in it. So sometimes the family would literally like hide that person from society so that they didn't get cut off from the rest of society and they weren't discriminated against themselves. Wow. And they so, literally did that in the crown. Yeah, totally. Remember that where she, yeah. uh, princess Margaret discovers she had like two aunts who had been like hidden away. I mean, I feel like there's so many stories about this where suddenly, I mean, don't the Trumps have a family member that they have hidden away and don't take care of that well? Like, oh, I'm 100%. His, that, yeah. Forgot. I mean, 20% of the population has a disability. Exactly. So, that's true. Um, exactly. So, yeah. yeah. Right. Um, you know, and it's just interesting because while other marginalized community groups had their trauma happen in public, ours happened in private. And so it's not something that people talk about very much, but if you yeah. like research it, there's horrifying pictures of things that would happen at like the almshouses or institutions that, I mean, we were like pushed into forced sterilization. That's that one, you know, once people started to realize that, that, okay, maybe this isn't caused by some sort of curse or familial sin and maybe we shouldn't, you know, make it illegal for them to exist to participate in employment, but we can eliminate disability. So then people mm-hmm. with disabilities were forced into like all these experimental treatments. They were por- forced into forced sterilization. They were not allowed to procreate. And like, there's a lot of really horrible things that have happened to the disability community that nobody wants to talk about. And so I think it's really interesting because that's like you said, you're shocked. Everyone is shocked when they find out how many people have a disability and I think it's just that we haven't been seen for so long. And then we go into the fact that, you know, we're 20% of the population. Stats show that we make up 2.3% of representation in media and marketing. So when people with disabilities are represented, it's such a small amount. And 80% of the time, people with disabilities are represented in media and marketing. We're represented in ways that perpetuate really bad stereotypes. Mm -hmm. And so it's like the stereotype, like the super crib, if you guys aren't familiar with that, it's like the Paralympian, like, oh, you can pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And it's like, oh, well, great. I'm glad that one Paralympian could. But what about the rest of the population and who doesn't have those same privileges that that person has? They can't pull themselves up by the bootstraps and they shouldn't have to. Like they shouldn't, just because somebody could, you know, crawl up a huge flight of stairs on their arms, you know, that would usually use a wheelchair. Wow, that's amazing they could do that. That's fantastic. They shouldn't have to. No. Like, you know, it's, right. it's there's these like perpetual, like, and it, these stereotypes that are perpetuated by the media make able-bodied people feel good or non-disabled people feel good, right? It's like, oh, wow. Oh, that's so cute that they did that. Whereas like, it, you know what would be real cute if they didn't have to? Like, that'd be pretty cool. Totally. Like, I would love that story. Right, totally. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you are searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy. 
Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone on any occasion. Now it's easier to find gifts made by independent sellers for all of the people in your life, like the pickleballers, I know plenty of those, the jazz fan, the artist, the pasta lover, whatever niche interest they have, you can find an incredible gift on Etsy. From 90s nostalgia and mixology to reality TV and gaming, there is something for everyone. There is so much pressure around gifting. I usually have a hard time thinking of gift ideas specifically for my dad, but my dad loves flying, he loves airplanes, he loves aviation, and he never gets sick of a cute little gift that has a reference to that. And the inventory for that on Etsy is incredible. I hope my dad lives for 200 years because I can get him a birthday present related to aviation or planes from Etsy for every single one of them, if not hundreds and hundreds of years more. There really is that much. A gifting moment is always around the corner, but whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you, Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. So when you think about kind of like how society is built around fully able-bodied people, especially like the workforce, like the ability to get a job, the ability to keep a job, and perform at it. What are like some of the, what are some of the biggest barriers or like statistics that come to your mind as problems that need to be solved? So when it comes to the pipeline of hiring people with disabilities, there are so many things when you, you know, you go through how many times have we checked a box? It says like, yep, I can lift a box. That's 40 pounds or over to participate in the job that never requires you to lift that box. That's 40 pounds or over. Like there is ableism even written into like the screening process of hiring candidates. And so that's a huge thing. I mean, even just making sure that your hiring process and the way that you vet candidates is conducive for somebody who is blind or somebody who is hard of hearing, um, having translators available, you know, I think, one thing that employers can do to help increase the employment of people with disabilities is have these accommodations. And, you know, we'll, we'll probably talk about accommodations later. Accommodations mm-hmm. are just changes that employers can make to the work situations so that people with disabilities can be employed in ways that they can contribute just the same as a non-disabled person can. Um, but have these accommodations ready so that people with disabilities don't have to ask for it. Because, you know, if somebody with a disability finds out like, oh, this is a great job, I'd be a great fit for it. But they get nervous about like, oh, shit, what if they don't have this? What if they don't have this? They start thinking about it. And there's so much discrimination about us. There's a lot of people who don't even want to self-identify as a person with a disability in the employment process because they're worried they won't get the job. It was really interesting. I had a conversation with um, Deluxe and they were, we were talking about like their HR policies and DEI stuff within disability. And they were talking about how a couple of years ago they had like 3% of their employees identified as having a disability. And within the last two years, because they've done a lot of being proactive in making sure that accommodations are available and also coaching their managers and their employees of how to be accepting of people with disabilities and how to 
dismantle some of that ableism internally and within the workforce, they now have 12% of their employees identifying as people with disabilities. And they didn't go hire 9% more people or enough people to like make that up. It was people that finally felt comfortable coming out and saying like, actually, I am hard of hearing. I do have vision difficulties. I do need these accommodations. And what also happened is because they felt comfortable coming forward and saying like, nope, I identified this way. They got the accommodations that they needed because this Mm -hmm. company had already put these accommodations in place. And then they became better productive employees. Like they were able to get more done. So it actually benefited the company because 20% of the population has a disability. We maybe don't always talk about it, right? So there may be employees that people have that have these, you know, that have disabilities that aren't comfortable coming forward. And if they made those accommodations ready and available and they coached their teams on how to be accommodating for people with disabilities, it would be a much more conducive work environment for other people with disabilities too. Like what are some examples of those accommodations that you would say should ideally like pre-exist at a company? Yeah. So having the option for a closed caption in meetings is really great for people who are deaf or hard of hearing. You know, I think a lot of people always just think of captions or, you know, people who are hard of hearing as needing a sign language translator, which that can be phenomenal, especially if it's something that's live and in person, like that's sometimes the only option. Um, The other option could be that you write out the content that people are going to be discussing about for people who are hard of hearing. Um, But now with so much technology, it is totally possible to have live captioning. I mean, it might be a second or two delayed, but that's that's a great option. The, another option would be to have software that can help read what's on a website or on an app to the person who has loss of vision or is blind. Um, those are some really immediate things that I can think of. I think also going through and like, it's really interesting. I don't know if you guys have ever seen Lately, they're talking about how, like, in the UK and in Australia, oftentimes people who work at, like, the checkout at the grocery store, they sit down. Why do we force yeah, people to ridiculous. stand here? Like, yeah. you know, there's things like that where it's like, you can just provide someone a chair. And it's also really interesting to me how, like, in the office setting, right, so many of us, well, now we're all at home, but so many of us would have a chair on wheels that would move around. And it would seem super functional and really helpful so you can get from one side to the other without having to get up. But a wheelchair is the same damn thing. Yeah. Like a wheelchair is the same damn thing. Totally. And a chair and wheels, it seems like a functional tool for a non-disabled person, but a wheelchair is viewed as like, oh, an accommodation. Confined, yeah. Yeah, totally. It's right. just really Yeah, I mean, and this is, anytime I, I read about the disability, disability activism, I mean, every gain that they get benefits everybody. It mm-hmm. benefits, I would love to have closed captioning on my meetings. I would totally. love to have, you know, a lot of these things, like it is easier for, parents that there are ramps everywhere like what are some other things that are around us all the time that the disability movement can can, that we have to give them credit for yeah it's interesting so you know you think of like divots in the road that people you know they were created so that people with wheelchairs could get on the sidewalk or you think of elevators even just like get to the subway or to get in the buildings make it more accessible those are created for people with disabilities but people with disabilities are not the primary users of those you know who are People who have like children yeah. have strollers who have prams, mm-hmm. right? They're like walking up and down and they're using these facilities or these, they're using these accommodations all the time. Yes. Right. Um, another one would be text messaging. Text messaging was, I do use that. Yeah. yeah. Occasionally. Email. You ever heard of email? People who are hard of hearing, like these were accommodations that were made for them. And now 
society runs on it. Like we would not, we would not be able to function without email and text messaging or yeah. some sort of instant messaging. Yeah. Um, instant messaging too. Like those are all forms of accommodation that were made in the workplace for people with disabilities that now the world cannot work without. What about like yeah. Siri and like voice activated stuff? Totally. Um, I'm not sure. That's actually, I'm sure. I'm sure people with disabilities had some part of Siri. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we have our hands in all the activism. Like you look at like all of the different movements for different marginalized communities, people with disabilities are always supporting all of it. Um, but yep. uh, I'm not sure I can't speak directly to Siri, but absolutely. Like if you are part of seeing and you have low vision Siri is a great tool because then you can pull it up and it's going to read it right back to you. So that's a great example of the kind of technology that's out there mm-hmm. that benefits everyone. And we can, t- if it's out there for Siri, like we can pull it into every single type of business. Like there's no reason for it. Yeah. I mean, as you were talking, I was thinking like 20% of people, like I just imagine a job listing and if you could list all of these accommodations and then you have a 20, potentially 20% bigger pool of people who feel comfortable applying for your job. But I also was wondering, like, just personally, if you, and we've touched at this a little bit, like we're talking about, you know, national um, disability employment awareness month, but like, do you ever feel personally conflicted about promoting the message that people with disabilities are obviously vital to business goals and success? That's part of it to try to talk to these companies. I mean, that's part of it. It's part of it with race, with DEI in a lot of ways Mm. while also remembering that like capitalism sucks. Nobody should be defined by their productivity. How do you, how do you balance those things in your activism as you're, as you're doing this? Like, do you ever feel like being like, you should just do this because it's nice. You know, like this is the right thing to do. Yeah, right. <laughs> totally. Yeah, no, in every pitch that I send out to a company that I want to work with, I always have like, here's the moral reasons and then here's the business reasons because- Love that, yeah. It would yeah. be amazing. It would be phenomenal if everyone just wanted to do good because they wanted to do good. But like Republicans exist, so we know that's <laughs> not Like, that's a real fucking thing, you know? Um I know that not everyone's going to want that. So I don't care. Like, on, like I care in my heart that right. people, you know, do it for the right reasons. But my main goal is not that everyone believe the same things that I believe. My main goal is that the basic civil and human rights of people with disabilities and all minorities, but people with disabilities are pushed forward, right? Like I will do this. I will push forward anything I can to advance the rights of human beings civil and human rights. Um, I just happen to be a part of this minority so I can speak directly to it. Right. So, um, I don't feel conflicted because my message is never solely, we deserve to be in the workforce. Mm -hmm. My message is always people with disabilities have value and we deserve to be in all of the same spaces as non-disabled people. And that includes the workforce. And so, I think it's also really important to remember, and I always remind people of this too, we're, like you said, we're heading into Disability Employment Awareness Month, and that's really important because discrimination in the workplace is real, and it affects our civil rights. It also affects our human rights, and that's you know it's something we need to address. However, people with disabilities that cannot work are no less valuable than those who can. People are valuable because they are people, and that includes non-disabled people and disabled people alike. However, this is the minority that I'm part of. This is the, you know, lived experience that I have. And so I'm going to speak to it. And I want us to be involved in all places. Also, like businesses, as we know, businesses fund policy, right? Businesses fund politicians. They fund systems. 
So people with disabilities need to be involved. If we want to change policy, they need to be involved because then they can be at the top. You know, eventually that's the goal, right? Is to get not just entry level positions for people with disabilities, but managerial roles, C-suite roles, so that people with disabilities are able to make systemic change in the world. Because the you know the battle cry of people with disabilities is nothing about us without us. Because for so long, people who are non-disabled have been making decisions about the lives and rights and inclusion processes of people with disabilities. <laughs> please fucking stop it. Like we have opinions about how we want to be included. Listen to us. Um, Are there some examples of, of like maybe well-intentioned ways, some companies or, or I don't know, maybe even just PR campaigns or anything you've seen that was meant to be accommodating or provide representation, but really just does not. So I think I'm going to go back to the, you know, the analogy of the super crip, right? So a lot of companies, instead of like making their hiring practices equitable for people with disabilities, instead of having people with disabilities in all campaigns, they'll do this tokenism bullshit that's inspiration porn. And they will have people with disabilities be a part of a PR campaign. Like, oh, wow, look at this cool thing we did. And look at this really inspiring and impactful and powerful person with a disability. We love them and we celebrate them. But it's like, okay, but you have where are your other disabled employees and where are you celebrating people with disabilities the rest of the year when it's not disability employment awareness month or it's not disability pride month. Um, that tokenism I think is really harmful. I also think that, um, a lot of times companies will say they're inclusive and they, you know, they say that they are accepting of all people with disabilities and they don't discriminate. But at the same time, when it comes down to, like productivity, they're going to value the person who is non-disabled far above the person who is disabled. And not, not having accommodations is discrimination, right? Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah. A lot of companies think that because they are quote unquote ADA compliant, like if a person with a disability came into their space, they would make accommodations for them. That's, that's all they need to do. And it's like, well, accommodation is great, but like making your employment practices so that people with disabilities want to come work for you and that they feel safe coming forward with the fact they have a disability is a completely different situation. Like that's such a great distinction. Yeah. yeah. I think that's, yeah, that's definitely it. So in theory, the ADA is supposed to ensure that these accommodations are taken care of, but how does that like actually happen? Like who is responsible for making sure that they're, that a company is ADA compliant? Yeah, so uh, the person who's being discriminated against is the person who is responsible, which is bullshit. So I'll give a little background. So I'm disabled. I'm missing part of my left arm and I have a disability in my right hand as well. Um, I also have a brain injury. So about a little over a year ago, I was hit by a car while I was walking and I have um, a pretty intense um, traumatic brain injury. And I'm a group fitness teacher and my the studio the gym that I work for, which is a company that is actually from the devil. And I'm not going to say them out loud because I don't <laughs> do, but like you DM me, I'll tell you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, they, you know, they were trying to open, it's this massive conglomerate. They were trying to open in the middle of the pandemic. And I was like, I just got hit by a car. Like I can't drive to this day. I really struggle to look at a computer screen. I can't come into your studio and teach with flashing lights and blaring loud music. Like I can't do that right now. And they were threatening to fire me and be like, fine, then you can never come back, blah, blah, blah. Which like eventually I was like, fuck it, fine. Then I'll start my own company. Um, (laughs) So it ended up okay for me. But when I was in that process, I started reaching out to discrimination attorneys. I was like, this isn't, this is not okay. Like this is bullshit. And this company is trash anyways. 
So I was like, fuck them up. Like, don't let them do this to someone else. Let's do this. And I was going to have to fund all of the lawyer costs out of pocket for me, which was going to start at like 20K, right? Yeah. And when we look at people with disabilities, like we have a 17.9% employment rate. That is not, and that is, that's like any crazy. Yeah. And that's not even considering, which I know we'll talk about, like how you can pay people with disabilities less than minimum wage in a lot of situations. And people with disabilities are very rarely at that managerial or C-suite level. So it's people with disabilities don't have this money just laying around. So they can't, like they can't enforce these things and it's on them to do it. So one, it takes a lot of time. Two, if it becomes like a public matter, then people are hesitant to hire that person with disability because they're going after their employer. And it's, it's, an, it's a mess. Like the ADA is rarely enforced. The kinds of accommodations that it does enforce are minimal, like, because there's also the clause in there about undue hardship. So the ADA states that pe- employers right. have to provide accommodations for people with disabilities so long as it doesn't place undue hardship on the company, which could be, you know, costing them a lot of money, being really hard on their staff, et cetera. But when we look at the accommodations that people request based off the ADA, 53% costs $0. And most of them cost less than $500. And when we're looking at big companies, like that is such a small price to pay to have equitable employment of people with disabilities. So. I mean, is there any legislation? Like, I mean, how do we make this mandatory? Like, it just seems like every... Every business should be, so is there only, I mean, everybody walks around thinking there's a disabilities act and every business is required to have this, but it's actually like, not really, not until somebody asks, but it's really hard to ask. It's really hard to ask. If you just started a new job, you don't want to ask to go to the bathroom. Like, yeah, yeah, for sure. You don't have to ask to go to the bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry guys. Sammy, let me go to the bathroom. You're going to take like your full lunch break. I feel that. Like, I, I get yeah. that. Like there is yeah, some, you know what I mean. there is some element of, uh, I don't want to, like, yeah. I want to be impressive. I don't want to seem like I'm a burden and exactly. that's, you know, for every able-bodied person, you know, and then we also have to consider like, you know, that's how you feel as like a straight cis white woman and exactly. then, you know, factor in disability and then factor in any other intersectionality of any other community group that's uh, discriminated against because guess what? White cis straight disabled women, which is what I am, are not the only disabled population. Like there's so much intersectionality when we think about it. So yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of discrimination that comes, um, and a lot of like, you know, shit, I don't want to fuck this up because yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. <laughs> totally. Um, how do we make it mandatory? I mean, I, there's going to have to be a lot of laws. I, I think people with disabilities are really scared to push the ADA right now because, they don't want to lose what we already have. And they're concerned that if we reopen it and refight for it, that people are going to be like, actually, no, nah, we're not going to do this. You know, when we look at how Congress is acting towards um, the voting rights and we look at how they're acting towards Roe, like they are not taking action and they are letting shitty things get passed. And so people with disabilities are kind of afraid right now to really push it forward. Um, just not based off like we're afraid because we don't think we deserve this. It's like we're afraid because we deserve so much more than this. And they're not acting yeah. on these large issues that affect marginalized communities that typically people want to stand up for. So if they don't want to stand up for those things. And why the fuck would they stand up for us? Yeah. Um, so what my focus is, and this is why I'm really passionate and I will just harp on it all the time, is the importance of equitable representation in media and marketing. Because 
media, like when we even just looking at like, you know, the news journalism, when they have stories about disabled people, usually the story is about the non-disabled person that goes and saves the disabled person, right? It's just always this narrative of either, and it's like, oh my gosh, this inspiration porn stuff, or like, oh, look at these poor disabled people. We need to go help them versus like, hey, these are human beings and they have human rights and we have to stand alongside them and listen to them. And so I think it's really important. Like that is why yeah. I talk about that so much is the ADA has been the law of the land for 30 years. And when we look at the statistics of employment practices and discrimination and also the amount of acts of violence that we experience and sexual assault that we experience, those numbers are staying static or they're getting worse. And so it's not doing anything right now. So if we can't change the law, then the best thing to do is to educate people on why these things are important so that they can have their minds changed and that shifts can happen for them, kind of like it happened for me with the, you know, the different issues that made me become progressive and they're going to vote differently. Yeah. It sounds like some of the most profound challenges come from dehumanization and it's so easy to dehumanize when you're not seeing them. And that's yes. why we need to to see so much. Are people with disabilities covered under like anti-hate crime laws? Technically. Technically. Okay. Yeah. Just, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's in all of the, like the civil rights wording, disability is in there for a lot of those laws. However, as a community, we don't experience the same type of discrimination that other marginalized communities face. But when they created that, thankfully, disability was put in there. But just like it's hard to prove that somebody is discriminating against somebody because of their race or their gender without them explicitly saying it, like we it's, you know, they can argue like, oh, no, that was just this happenstance circumstance same thing happens with disabilities but if you're attacking somebody who has a disability a visible disability because you perceive them as more vulnerable that seems like a hate crime hey there overwhelmed foodies are you drowning in a sea of meal kit options feeling like you're in a bad dating game where every contestant looks the same with the same fish picture fear not because amidst the chaos there's one shining star worth your culinary affection Home Chef is not just another fish in the meal kit sea. They're the gourmet catch that you've been dreaming of. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes, conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes, Home Chef has you and the entire family covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Home Chef has over 30 options a week, and they serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it is economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. So for a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash feverdream. That's homechef.com slash feverdream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life homechef.com slash feverdream. You must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at shipstation.com and use the code POD. That's ShipStation.com with the code POD. So you mentioned the subminimum wage. The subminimum wage is basically lets companies hire people with disabilities and pay them less than minimum wage, which, you know, the idea is that it can give people with disabilities access 
to work, which is beneficial for many. But there's obviously, I mean, simply the idea of valuing people's productivity for less just because they have a disability it seems really icky. So is there um, is there a consensus on this in the disability movement? I mean, there's probably not the movement's so broad and encompasses so many people with so many different types of disabilities. But um, what is sort of the the discourse around this? Like, is there any value to it, or is it completely um, problematic? Well, I mean, I can't speak for every single disabled right. person that's ever been on the face of the earth, but every single person with a disability that I've ever spoken to thinks it's fucking horseshit. Uh, you think about like, what is the minimum wage? Right. Yeah. <laughs> the minimum wage. Is <laughs> that's be such a good point. The minimum amount that people with disabilities or that, that pe- not people with disabilities, but that people can survive on. And so what you're going to say is like, yeah, they don't even deserve the basic wage to let them survive. So we're going to pay them a fraction of that minimum wage they need to survive and it's super subjective so the way that they determine what that minimum wage should be is like they'll have a couple different people perform the same task right so they'll have the person with a disability who they're considering hiring to like you know create that um i mean what they're mm-hmm. figure out what they can do in an hour and then they'll have non-disabled people do the same task for 20 minutes three different times so you also have to figure out, like, I mean, use the analogy of, like, running a mile, right? Like, if you run a mile, one mile, your pace for that one mile is going to be faster than your pace per mile for three miles because you get tired, you get fatigued, you just can't go at the same pace. You could do something as fast as you want, you know, for right. 20 minutes and get a shit ton done versus an hour. Like, you're not going to be able to get that much done. So that in and of itself is a bogus workaround. And then they say that they work around that by like having like a 15% less clause for the hour long one. That's like, that still doesn't factor in like the fact that the employer then gets to go choose who they're going to test. Like, could they choose their most productive and fastest worker and then compare it to this person with a disability who just can't work that fast. I mean, all of that is like, it's like a solution in search of a problem. Like it's yeah. like just such a yeah. dumb, like just don't do the sub minimum wage thing. And yeah, but it's like assuming yeah. that people with disabilities are not financially supporting themselves. Like also yeah. it costs more to be a person who has a disability typically. Yes. Because you have to Absolutely. pay for your own accommodations for things, different oh. therapies, treatments. It's just like, Yeah. I mean, and you have to think about, so there's, there, there's social security disability insurance, right? Which helps people who have worked in their past, in their life, pay for their living expenses by pulling from the social security. And it can be earlier than your typical social security withdrawal, right? But there's also supplemental security. It's SSI, supplemental security income, which basically says like, okay, you've never been able to work, but we're going to make sure that you have some form of like baseline income so that you can survive in the state of California it is nine hundred dollars a month that's not survive that's not a survivable, not survivable amount. Yeah. right it's not right. and so we also have, have to, like, to work that. yeah and that. if you work you lose that like it's not it's not a matter yeah. of like where it's like it, you know I mean yeah. if you work a little tiny bit right totally so like, these people like, these are laws that are keeping people with disabilities in poverty. Like it is not a question like, Hmm, I wonder why there's so many poor disabled people. And I wonder why there's so many homeless disabled people or people experiencing homelessness. It's 
it's the policy. Like, that's why, totally. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, people just want to play around with it. And like fucking Mitch McConnell swinging his dick around with the debt ceiling. Like, what is he going to like, do you know what's going to happen to all the people with disabilities that are on social security, disability income need Medicaid to survive? Like they will die without it because they need so many medical procedures. Oh, Mitch McConnell, who's only for. alive because of the polio vaccine. Yeah, and walking exactly. around, interesting. Yeah, exactly. Mitch McConnell was physically carried out during the insurrection because, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, not that that's look. The insurrection isn't funny. Mitch McConnell <laughs> needs to be carried. Yeah, like him, him having walking issues is not funny. But like all of it, when he doesn't want to do anything for anyone. Yeah, exactly. It's like funny. you know, it's just it's asinine, right? It's it's this belief that like oh. Yeah, I can have these special accommodations, but we're not going to make this for anyone else. And it's just, Absolutely. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. So oh, I feel so much smarter now. You have educated us so much, but th- you're doing this all the time. So Kelsey, where can people find more about more of your guidance and advocacy around this? Where do you want to, where do you want to point people this month? Yeah, I would just say, uh, check me out on Instagram because that's where I'm going to have links to all of the different trainings that I'm going to be doing and talking about this. It sounds really cliche. Like I'm just a pig being up on the Instagram. Um, <laughs> but like, you know, I, I, I told you to say it. Yeah, yeah. Um, another really great option is to, I mean, I have like swipe up links all the time for people who want to have disability training and talks about this within their workplaces. Uh, I love doing that because I really think that yeah, having equitable workspaces for people with disabilities is going to help so many people and decrease stigma. Um, mm-hmm. And then the other thing I would say is just to lean in. And I also share other people who are disabled yes. creators because like we're talking about, I'm a white, cis, straight, disabled woman. And I got a lot to say. I got a big mouth on me and I'm going to say it. But also like there are other people who have this like intersectionality experience that I can't speak from. I can elevate their voices, but I can't speak from it. And so I think it's really important to always be sharing that. And then doing a takeover on Sammy's Instagram. I guess by the time oh, nice. this by the time this airs, it will already be done. But maybe yeah. maybe they've seen when we promote already. this episode, I, I feel like I want highlight. you to like yeah, yeah, yeah. my highlights. We'll oh. include when we promote yeah. this episode some like a little syllabus and some things you recommend that people people take totally. some time to yeah. read this month. Awesome. Thank you so much, Kelsey. Until the end of democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Sammy Sage. And this is the Betches Up Podcast. Bye. The Betches Sub Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Jorge Morales Pico, and Sean Kilby. Editing by Jorge Morales Pico. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore Sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails to suppod at Betches.com. Betches.